Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you're uh, taking notes, you can write that down. It's on the screen if you have a Bible. If you don't have one, I encourage people all the time, though, bring your Bible with you. It's important to be able to find the Scriptures. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Let me read it one more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Father, again, thank you for your word. It's already anointed. Lord, you breathe on holy men of old as they wrote and inspired by the Holy Spirit. But tonight, Lord, let our ears be anointed to receive the word. God, we bind every hindering spirit, every distraction that the enemy would come and try to steal the seed as it's sown into the hearts of God's people. Lord, I pray not a text, not a notification, not an not a Instagram post would steal what your word has for us tonight. Give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. One of the questions that was given to me, which I was like, Ugh, I love this question, is this. You ready? If you've already got the app open and the notes open, you already know where I'm going with this. The first question that, we re- that I received that I wanted to tackle was, how do you know the will of God? How do you know the will of God? And so that's a great question. It's a great question that all of us should wrestle with and we should seek the answer to the understanding. Some people feel like the will of God is some big, ethereal, mysterious thing that people cannot understand, something to be grasped for. Other people have gone another approach. But tonight, I want to see if I can take the Scripture. Now, understand, this is not what I would consider a sermon because I'm not a, typically by my nature, I'm not a topical uh, preacher, teacher. Uh, This is a Bible study tonight. So we're going to view it a little different. But the scriptures that I'm going to give you, I'm going to make sure that I'm giving to them to you in their proper context. That way, uh, you can take that uh, to the bank tonight. Tonight, I want to see if I can take the scripture and answer the question, how can I know the will of God? Now, before we jump into this, I want you to think about something. First of all, let me ask you a question. This is a participation question. This is probably going to be 50-50. It may be, uh, it may be uh, 60-40, but... I know there's a divide in the room, I'm sure. How many of you, by the own admission of your mouth and by the raising of your hand, would say to some degree, you're directionally challenged? Hello. you got to have the GPS to go the same old places you go all the time, right? And then you try to beat your time. That the, Okay, Donetta, she, listen, she's getting stars tonight because she's not lying, praise the Lord. And so... The interesting thing is, is that some people are directionally challenged. Other people are not. They have a great keen sense of direction. Uh, I see people like in Africa. It, we get with these Africans, and they take us on the back of motorbikes, or it, it, whether it be a Land Cruiser or something, and there's no roads. And they always get us back to where we started from, don't they, Pastor Sally? It's amazing. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't gifted with that. But I want you to imagine tonight that you are on a journey, you've taken a hike out into the woods, you've got your canteen, you've got your water bottle, you've got uh, a rope, you've got things that are for survival, 
And anyway, you're on this hike, you're out there intending to be out there all day, you're looking in the streams, you're looking at the flowers that are blooming, and then all of a sudden, sun begins to, to dawn, and, or the sun begins to go down rather, and, and dusk begins to happen, and you've lost track of time, but worse than that, you've lost track of direction. That's scary. You didn't bring your iPhone because they told you to rough it, right? So you didn't have what you needed, but you remembered you packed a map and a compass. A map that shows the different paths and directions and a compass that aligns you with north, south, east, and west. And with the help of that compass and a map, it may be difficult if you're not used to working with those type of tools, but you can find your way back home in the middle of being lost in a place that you can't find your way. Tonight I'm not talking about compasses and maps and hiking. I'm talking about life. Sometimes life has us going on a journey. And, and, and oftentimes along life's way we lose our way. But there is something that can get you back on track. It's not a compass and it's not a map. It is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit will help you find your way back the path that God has for your life. And so tonight, as we're talking about how do you know the will of God, we're going to be looking at the Word of God and all of those things that will help us be able to get back on the right path and to find the will of God for our life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, let's read it again. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What does that mean to lean on your own understanding? The Bible warns us about several things like this. This passage says, lean not on your own understanding. There's another passage that says, don't, don't lean or don't trust in the arm of your flesh. You see, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your flesh can get you in trouble sometimes. Oh, absolutely. 95% of the dumb decisions that we make in life, the wrong turns, the, the stop signs, metaphorically so to speak, that we run through are done because of our mind and because of our flesh. Hello, somebody. What we've got to understand is he says, do not lean to your own understanding. Why? Because there are times in your life you will be thinking, this is what you need to do, but it's not the right way. The Bible goes a little bit further. It says there's a way that seems right. Somebody say it seems right. There's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is death. And so you can't trust your heart. I don't care what Hallmark card says. Throw it away. Your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Don't lean on your own understanding. Look at verse 6. But in all your ways, Acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. I love the question tonight, how do I know the will of God? Because I got a sense in my heart that the person that asked this question was wanting to make sure that God was participating and linking up with the daily activities of their life. How many times, I know I'm guilty, maybe not you, you know, the correct way to live 
is to pray, get direction, and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes God has some wild children. And sometimes we just jump off the cliff and we say, Catch me, Lord! (laughs) Oh my goodness. Have you been there? I have. We didn't pray it. We didn't... We didn't pray. I'm not going to say we didn't pray about it, but maybe we didn't pray it all the way through. You know, there is something called praying through. Hello. Praying until you get an answer. Sometimes we just say, Lord, blah, 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 and we, we appease our conscience and say we prayed about it. But, but more than that we talked words, prayer is a, is a communication between us and God. Did we get any direction when we pray? Did the Lord lead us? Any specific way. Did he say yes? Did he say no? Did he say maybe? Did he say not now? Whatever. So, in all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He shall direct your paths. Before we even get too far down this trail tonight, here's what I want to tell you. As a Christian, we have a right and we should have an expectation for God to lead us have an expectation Jesus said I am the great shepherd I lay down my life for the sheep my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow he leads me beside still waters he leads us into green pastures Uh, we're to be led by the Lord. You say, that's Old Testament. I always like to give a New Testament parallel. I love it. Paul said this in Romans. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you live your life walking one foot in front of the other, having a heart to serve God and having a heart to honor Him, the Lord is going to lead us in the right way. But there's some, there's some things though that we have to look at that can be very helpful in our walk with God. And so, as we look at Scripture, we see many things that help us find our way. But tonight, let me, let me give you a couple of untruths before we get into it real quick. I want to give you some untruths about God's will. Okay? Now, they're not in your notes, but you might want to take a pencil or a pen or type and write these down. The first untruth about God's will is this. Are you ready? Some of you have probably said this before. All right? Well, it happened, so it must be God's will. So it happened, it must be God's will. You know, there's a cousin to that saying. The cousin to that saying says this. Well, everything happens for a reason. And that's true. It's just that sometimes the reason it happened is because you're an idiot. Hello, somebody. Sometimes the reason why it happened is because you didn't do the right thing. John Wayne wasn't a prophet. This isn't a Bible proverb, but it should be in there. Life is hard. But life is harder when you're stupid. Hello. That's from the Duke himself. Now listen, don't get mad I said stupid. The Bible says he that hates instruction is stupid. That's in the King James, the Holy Translation. Hello. Stupid. You ought to look at somebody tonight and say, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. 
People say, well, it, it happens, so it must be God's will. Okay, let's take your line of logic. Rapes happen every day. Sex trafficking happens every day. House fires happen every day. Natural disasters happen every day. That is full of evil. The Bible says God is light. In him is no darkness uh, at all. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither is there any shadow of turning. Listen, God, <laughs> just because something happens doesn't mean it's God's will. I mean, Jesus taught us how to pray, didn't he? If everything that happens is God's will, how come in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wouldn't have told us to pray for his will to be done if it's automatic. Amen. He told us to pray. So that's the first misnomer, is that God's will is automatic. No, the church has to press into God's will. We got to seek after God's will. There are terrible things that happen on this earth because of the curse of sin. The fall of Adam and Eve brought a curse. This earth has not been fully redeemed yet. The church has been redeemed, but this earth has not been redeemed yet. That's coming. He's going to renovate it by fire. But as for now, we live in this great, um, this great tension between now and not yet. Now and not yet. And so we understand that we can't just say, oh, well, that's God, you know, God's will that this happened or that happened. I mean, it might be, but it's not automatically so. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not automatic. See, people get mad at God because they blame God for things that he didn't do. All right, so God's will isn't automatic. Uh, everything happens for a reason, but that reason may not be what you think. Here's another one. The will of God is easy. The will of God is easy. People think, well, if I just do the will of God, it'll be easy. <laughs> oh, listen. You have no idea. The will of God is not always easy. And here's the last one. And I'm eventually going to get into my, my notes tonight. Here's the next one. It's hard, so it must not be the will of God. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. It, it, if, it, this is hard, so it must not be the will of God. Now listen, I don't believe in forcing doors open. You know, the Bible says God will open the door for you. No man can shut. And uh, he holds the key of David. Uh, the Bible talks about your gift will make room for you, bring you before great men. I don't believe you have to force Doors open, but listen, there are some doors that you're meant to walk through that spiritually speaking, you got to put some WD-40 on the hinges because there's an adversary on the other side of that door. Paul said it this way. He said, there are, he said uh, a great and effectual door has been opened unto me. This is in the book of Acts. He said, a great and effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries on the other side of it. Jesus. Mark chapter 5, got in the boat with the disciples, kicked their feet up, and Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Jesus is asleep, 
The disciples are there. All of a sudden, a Eurachlodon, a great storm arose. A vehement, violent storm arose on the sea. It wasn't a normal storm. They discerned it was a demonic storm. The disciples were full of fear. They panicked. They got up and they said, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? And Jesus got up. He said, what are you doing basically? He said, oh, ye of little faith. Why is it that you don't have any faith? Jesus put his finger in the storm and said, peace and be still. Soon as he got to the other side, he got to a land called Gadara. And in Gadara, there was a man there who was demon-possessed. He didn't have just one demon. He didn't have just two demons. He had a bunch of demons. Legion means many. It was the, the wording that talked about a large army. This guy was bound up. He was a minister to society. He was in chains, cutting himself. Nobody could do anything with him. He hung out among the tombs. But Jesus set him free. This man's freedom was the will of God. But when Jesus started walking towards the will of God, adversity happened. Hello. And let me tell you something. If you quit at the first, I don't know who this is for. If you quit at the first sign of adversity, you are weak. I didn't say that. The scripture did. It said if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Solomon, end quote. If we faint at the first sign of adversity, we will not make it. Here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight, folks. When you do the will of God, sometimes it's going to come with a fight. It's going to come with a fight. Tonight, I want to look at a couple of things here. First of all, number one, let's write this down. Let's look at understanding the will of God. What is the will of God? What is it? The definition, a simple definition of the will of God or for God's will is this, God's ultimate plan and purpose for our lives. God's ultimate plan and purpose for our lives. His desire of our, uh, uh, for our thoughts, His desire for our actions, His desire for our decisions. The will of God is God's plan for our life. People say, Pastor Brad, does God have a will for my life? He does. And hopefully, hopefully you make a pursuit for God's will and your own will to cross paths and you get on God's path. You know, every day we get up, we, we have a, a choice. I like to say a choice. We have a choice on whether or not we're going to submit to God's will or we're going to submit to our own will. Now, I know some of you are so holy. Don't ever struggle with that. But Jesus did. On the greatest day of agony he ever faced in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Is there any other way to do this redemption thing other than having to be nailed to a Roman cross and have a spear shoved in my side and to pour out this blood? Why did he say that? Pastor, he was God. He was God, 100%, but he was also 100% man. God didn't take his pain receptors away. He felt every hair pulled from his beard. Some of y'all don't even like to pull an eyelash or a nose hair. They ripped out his beard by their fist, the fistful. He, every ounce of it, he felt. Listen, Jesus wrestled with, do I want to do my will or God's will? Thank God he chose Father's will. Showed us what it means to wrestle. Wrestling in prayer. 
We've got to understand what God's will is. This, so there's the challenge, though, of discerning God's will. There can be a challenge in it because there's the influence of our own desires. There's the influence of our own emotions. Then there's the influence of our own external pressures. Our desires, our thoughts, our external pressures, they're a hindrance to us at times discerning God's will. You know how I know that? I know many people who have said no to God because of external circumstances. You know, Jesus dealt with that too. Jesus said, if any man wants to be my disciple, let him pick up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Then there's a parable of a great supper where people were invited to come, right? Jesus said, go out and compel people. Go to the highways and byways. Compel them to come into my house. A great supper has been prepared. And so he goes out and, and he compels people. And the Bible says that people came back with excuses. One said, I've taken a wife. I cannot come. Another one said, I've bought some land. I must go see about it. Another person said, I've got oxen. I must go and try them. And it seemed real insensitive, but Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, if any man deny himself, let him pick up his cross and follow me. Listen, another misnomer about the will of God is that it's always going to be convenient. I don't know about you, but I found out in my own personal life, God is pretty good at inconveniencing my little emotions, my little flesh. All right, nobody's saying amen, but when you're under anesthesia and having surgery, I guess that's normal. Praise the Lord. But if you can't say amen, just say oh me. Understanding the will of God sometimes is difficult, but there's a foundation for it. Let's look at number two. We're going to move through this. The foundation of discerning God's will. There are a couple things here that we're going to see. And, and I know some of you are saying, what about the Bible? We're getting there, okay? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're laying a foundation. The second thing we're looking at the foundation of discerning God's will is we need to learn how to have and lean on our relationship with God. If we want to find ourselves smack dab in the middle of God's will, we got to learn to get close to Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. Somebody say all. Now I'm about to meddle for a second, but I can only meddle because I've been in the same boat. That house that you're paying for, that you're having difficulty paying for, did you pray about it? That truck, that car, that toy. I'm not saying God don't want you to have it. I'm asking you, did you pray about it? Well, I don't think you ought to pray about that. He said in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It's right standing. Are we acknowledging God in every area of our life? Because when we honor God and acknowledge God, our life falls into order. Even though it may be rocky and the road may not be smooth, I would rather be in the will of God in the desert than out of the will of God in Hawaii. 
we got to learn how to develop and hold to our relationship with God. Seeking His presence. Psalm 25, verse 14. They have this on the screen. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show Him His covenant. The Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal His heart to us. When we get close to God, we develop a relationship with Him. He reveals His will to us. Let me, let me give you that screen. I don't have it in my notes, but I'm just teaching out of my spirit tonight. That scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now in English, we butcher that. But when you go back into Psalms and you read what the psalmist was saying, and look at the original language, it says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, to delight means to, um, you know, to show cadence to. It, it, it means to be enthralled with. It means to be moved by. When you're delighted in your spouse, you're delighted in your children. It, it's it's a, a leaning compassion. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, listen, there was a disciple who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus that could hear his heartbeat. Peter was like, Lord, I love you. I'm never going to leave. And humble John was over there with his head on the breast of Christ. You want to know the will of God? Get close to his heart. And you'll hear it beat. You'll hear it beat. But some of us, rather than get close to his heart, we're on the other side of the house with our feet propped up, with the remote in our hand, never getting intimate time with the Lord. Hello. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give, and He will give. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That verse is not saying that if you love Jesus, He'll give you everything your little beady eyes desire. That's not what he's saying because everything is not the will of God for your life. Here's what that verse is saying. If you get close to Jesus, the desires will be what he puts in your heart. Because when you get close to his heart, you can hear his heart beat. Hallelujah. Then we got to learn to surrender to God's authority. Yielding our vessels and our ambitions to God's will. Let me tell you, Sometimes the will of God is hard. Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, living, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. If you want to find yourself in the will of God, a good place to do, a good place to find yourself would be to surrender to His authority. You know, I found out a lot of people want Jesus to be Savior, but they don't really want Him to be Lord. Hello, because Savior is not going to hell. But Lord is, He's leading you in your life. So notice what He said. I mentioned this Sunday. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself, present your bodies, this flesh, a living sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, when they wanted to make atonement or they wanted to be right with God, they had to kill an animal. 
Jesus came along, offered the one and all sacrifice. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. I'm glad we don't have altar workers that have to scoop up blood and sanitize everything after every service because like in the days of Moses, they would sprinkle blood on the altar and sprinkle blood on the book and sprinkle blood. The blood's already been sprinkled. Jesus became the sacrifice, but now he turns to us and he says, listen, okay, you want to follow me? Be my disciple, pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow after me. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to die to yourself. The altar, which this, this, this is a, a bench that we use as an altar space, but I, I told you, you can build an altar beside your bed, anywhere, anywhere you get along with God and consecrate yourself is an altar. But you got to what? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Look at this. Which is your reasonable service? Quit acting like you're doing God a favor by living for Him. God did you a favor by dying for you and not sending your old stinky sinful self to hell. Hello. And if He died for us, we should at least live for Him. And if we'll commit ourselves to that type of relationship with God, what will happen is we'll find ourselves smack dab in the middle of the will of God, even if it's hard. Paul was in prison in the will of God. Philip found himself in the desert with an Ethiopian eunuch. It was hot in the will of God. Hallelujah, got to surrender to God's will. So quickly, 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 let's look at some practical steps to discern God's will in our life. First thing, we've got to seek wisdom through God's Word. First of all, uh, I'm remiss to say this, I've taught it before, but it's the truth. God's Word is God's will. God's Word is His revealed will. People asked me one time, said, is it God's will to save everybody? Well, what does the Bible say? It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says it's God's will that you abstain from sexual immorality. The Bible says it's God's will. It says in all things, in 1 Thessalonians, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In all, all things. Somebody say all things. What did I tell you? The will of God is not easy sometimes. I don't want to go into all of it, but if, if you've known the last 10 days at my house, you'd probably cry. I'll, I'll just give you the summarized version. And the reason why I'm doing this, for transparency for one, but number two, to show you that sometimes the will of God is opposed in your life. See, sometimes things fall apart because you're doing something wrong and you're being chastised. Sometimes things fall apart because you're not taking care of them. Hello? If you bought the cheapest tires from Walmart, you never rotated them, and you put $25,000 on them, and you never maintained those tires, and one of them blows out, you can't bind the devil. You got more than what you paid for. But there's some times in our life, over the last 10 days, my dishwasher broke, my air conditioner broke, I was writing a sermon, I spilled my coffee, into the keyboard it went, shorted out my $400 screen on my MacBook Pro, which I use for ministry to do videos. I got somebody stalking me on the internet. It's annoying as all get out. 
And there's all types of crazy stuff happening. Now listen, I could be like, am I doing something wrong? But last I checked, I've been paying my tithes, I've been giving to missions, I've been doing what I know to do right, walking in love. So guess what? Sometimes I have to think about the adversity that's going on in my life and realize sometimes when things are going difficult in your life, it might be because you're doing something right. The enemy sends things into our lives sometimes to discourage us. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I only gave you a, a small snippet. There's so much more, but it doesn't matter because, listen, the Bible said in all things give thanks. I ain't cry about none of them. I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You got money for the dishwasher. Thank you, Jesus. You got money for the, the, the laptop. Thank you, Jesus. And he's faithful. You know, perspective really challenges things. See, you can get mad that you've got to pay the bill, or you can rejoice that you had the money to pay it. Choice is yours. There's practical steps to discern God's will. Number one, you've got to get in His Word. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. People are beat up because they don't know the Scripture. God's will is plain. Now listen, when you look at the Scripture, right, there are things that are plain. His word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. If you want to get on the will of God, get in the word. His word will light up your path. It'll get you there. His word's for you to walk in love. His word is for you to be healed. His word is for you to prosper. His word is for you to walk in peace. His word is, is kindness to us. He wants us to forgive. There's some, there's some other things that are in His Word. It's God's will that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So listen, if you're going to discern God's will, you've got to know the Word. Which, by the way, God's will for your life will never contradict His Word. Listen, I, I, was, I was born at night but it wasn't last night. And I've had people, good-meaning people, convinced that it was God's will for them to marry somebody else's husband. Even felt like the Holy Spirit told them to. There's a Greek word for that. You ready? Baloney. I don't care what you heard. I don't care what kind of angel showed up in your living room. Paul said if an angel or anybody else shows up with anything contrary than what we've taught or preached to you, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. You've got to know the Word of God to deception-proof your life, and you also have to know the Word of God to help you discern the will of God. Listen, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I don't need to pray about should I get a job. I need to pray about where to go to work. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Ooh, Jesus. Had somebody tell me the Holy Spirit told them they were to be the corrector of every church in their city. And they traveled around to every church 
and tried to give the pastor the what for. But at the same time, they didn't belong to a church. Their life was out of order. Hello, that's not the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you heard. Your hearing was wrong. God's word is his will. And it reveals his will to us. Praise the Lord. It'll help you discern God's, God's, God's plan for your life. So if we regularly study and meditate on Scripture for guidance, it'll give us direction in our life. Here's the next one. I'm hurrying. The next one is we've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We know what God's Word says, okay? It's plain as day, black and white. Here's this, here's that. But there are details about our life that are not plain in Scripture. There's no Oldsmobile, there's no Ford, there's no Chevy found in the pages of, of the Holy Book. Walmart, Target, uh, Amazon, uh, all of these newfound inventions in our modern 21st century world are not in there. God's principles are there and they're timeless and they're eternal. But how do we know the day-to-day stuff? We know we should go to church but how do we know which one to go to? We know we should support missionaries, but which one should we support, or ones should we support? That's where it's learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the question I get all the time. I promise, give me five more minutes. I know the kids get out and it gets distracting, so I want to be as honorable as I can because that hallway gets crazy back there in about five or six minutes. So, People ask me all the time, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me or if it's just myself? I want to tell you that's a great question. It's a great question. Because we are a spirit. We have a born-again spirit. Those of us who are saved. We have flesh that we must crucify and a mind that we must renew. The mind is what they have called our, 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 our soul, rather, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's the seat of the human conscience. You know that inner voice that tells you wrong or right? You know that inner voice. You heard it. Don't act like you don't talk to yourself. Everybody, listen, it's not weird to talk to yourself. It's only weird to answer yourself. Don't do that. They'll, they'll put you somewhere for that. But we all talk to ourselves. It's the inner voice of our conscience. It's the inner voice of our conscience. It's our reasoning. Did I make the right decision? Did I really do that? Did I, was I kind enough? Did I, you know, we all wrestle with that. But the question is, how do we discern if it's our human spirit or if it's the Holy Spirit? I wish I had a more simple answer, but I'm going to give it to you like this. When bank tellers want to learn how to distinguish between counterfeit money, they don't bring in a lot of counterfeit money and let them handle it. What they do is they let them handle enough real money that when counterfeit comes through, they go, oh, that doesn't feel right. Just being close 
to the Lord and growing in your walk with God will help you learn to discern the voice of God in your life. Now, the next real quick thought leads us to this. Because there's a safeguard. Yes, you're a born again spirit. Yes, you have a renewed mind and all of that stuff. But let me tell you something. Hear me closely. All of us in this room, from the greatest teacher to the greatest preacher to the youngest child to the, to the oldest church member, you, all of us, somebody say all of us, have blind spots. You know, you can see everybody else, but you have difficulty seeing you. We all do. We'll be thinking we're in the right about something. No, they did me wrong. No, the whole time you got your own stench right here. You can't even smell it, but a trusted friend can say, hey, come here, let me talk to you for a second. How do we discern God's will for our life? The Word of God is the foundation. Learning to lean on and listen to the Holy Spirit, His promptings. Let me tell you something. <laughs> If God's prompting you to witness, to, if, if, if you feel prompted to witness to somebody, that's probably not the devil. He, don't want, he, won't, he wants you to do anything but that. If, 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 the, if the, you're being prompted to do kind to somebody, I promise you it's not the devil. So we've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's the next one. We've got to seek godly counsel. We've got to seek godly counsel. Let me tell you, I'm, I always say this, and I, and I hold to this. Every, everyone needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. And everybody needs trusted friends in relationship that can spit straight to them. Here's what Proverbs 11:14 says. Ready? Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, their safety. Do you know that when you're going through uh, trials and tragedies, and especially transitions in life, you got this big job, right? It's going to pay you all of this money, but you're going to have to relocate your family, and now you're going to have to work on the weekends, and you're not going to really be able to go to church anymore, but all you're thinking about is the dollar signs, and you're not going to have that financial stress anymore, and, and you only see one side of it. And, and, and guess what? A lot of times when we make decisions based on our emotions merely, we make the wrong decision. But you go to some trusted friends and say, here's the situation. My flesh is wanting to do this. I really just want to honor God. Would you pray with me? Would you give me some wisdom? If the Lord gives you any wisdom, I'm open to listen. And you know what? You may find out that blessing may be a curse in disguise. Because listen, no amount of money is worth losing your marriage. No amount of money is worth losing a relationship with your children. No amount of money is worth losing your relationship with God. Listen, there's some things that money can't buy, folks. But seeking godly counsel, listen, <laughs> Woo, Jesus, do you know 99.9% .9 of the people that I do marriage counseling for, they call me in a crisis and say, we're, hey, we're throwing pots and pans at each other and we're about to kill each other. Can you help us? You know, if you do enough investigating, none of them had any premarital counseling. None of them went and talked to their pastor or a trusted spiritual leader and asked them, is this the spouse for me? Nope, they were just interested in the flesh. 
But how many of you know the flesh looks one way in your teens, in your 20s, in your 30s, and it changes, and you better make sure you married the right one because God said, I'm the Lord, I hate divorce. And listen, I'm telling you, it, it, he wants us to make marriage work. But it's easier to marry the right one than it is to fix one. Hello. All right. Not to say you won't marry the right one and still have trouble. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a lot of times we don't seek wisdom about situations in our life and then we complain to God that it's broke. The Holy Spirit would rather lead us around trouble sometimes. See, the Bible says when the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead us and guide us in all truth and He will show us things to come. God's people are supposed to be prophetic people. But most of the time we're pathetic people because we trust our own intellect and our own understanding rather than the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, most of us in this room, if we're honest, I know sometimes pride, I'm done, close your Bible, that's the universal sign. I know that uh, pride keeps us from being honest, but most of us, if we'll be honest, those of us who are serving God, who've made dumb decisions, we've all made them, financial decisions, relational decisions, you name it. We've all made them. If we'll be honest, if we go back and trace our steps, I bet you you'll find where the Holy Spirit tried to warn you or prompt you some way. But if you seek God, He'll get you in the right direction. Amen? How do you know the will of God? His Word, the Holy Spirit, trusted godly relationships and counsel, and uh, discerning. These things, you think, oh, I'm, I got this idea. I wonder if it's from God. Test it by the Word. Test it by God's character. Test it by His principles. And if it doesn't line up with God's plan or His heart, throw it away or put it on a shelf until later. See if anything comes out of it. Amen? You can tell I'm passionate about this. I could go another 45 minutes, but maybe next week. Amen. Stand up.